Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.、A、laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah,、oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. What? Just go to audibletrial.com/musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Unmatched. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Free title. Start listening, boys. Ah,、uh, go to audibletrial.com/musicalswithcheese. Audibletrial.com/musicalswithcheese. What are we like a cheap fucking car commercial? Mattress sales, like. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally, and I'm Andrew DeWolf, and welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater more. How are you today, Andrew? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? You gotta、Jess? meet my energy level, Andrew. I'm up in the energy. Let's go. Up the energy. Do you know why? Because I'm manic. Ah,、uh, I'm depressive. So we're we're kind of we're we're gonna even out. Yeah, we'll we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew. Yeah. What musical are we talking about this week? Um, we are talking about、uh, Dear Evan Hansen,、uh, Part One. The prequel. So this is the Dear Evan Hansen prequel. Is this the Dear Evan Hansen cinematic universe? <laughs> I think it is part of Dear Evan Hansen, like cinematically,、uh, but this is pre-internet.、Mm-hmm. So this is Dear Evan Hansen when all you had was Red Bull and books. Yeah, and Doritos. All right, this week we are talking about Brian Yorkey and Thomas Kitts next to normal. Next to Normal is a 2008 American rock musical with a book and lyrics by Brian Yorkey and music by Tom Kitt. The story centers on a mother who struggles with worsening bipolar disorder and the effects that her illness and its management have had on her family. The musical also addresses the issue of grief, suicide, drug abuse, ethics in modern psychiatry, and the underbelly <laughs> of the suburban life. 
Next to Normal received several workshop performances before its off-Broadway debut, winning the Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding New Score and receiving the Drama Desk Awards om- nominations for Outstanding Actress for Alice Ripley and Outstanding Score. After an off-Broadway run, the show played at the Arena Stage in its temporary venue in Virginia from November of 2008 to January of 2009. The musical opened on Broadway in April of 2009. It was nominated for 11 2009 Tony Awards and won for and won three best original score, best orchestration, and best performance by a leading actress in a musical. For Alice Ripley, it also won the 2010 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, becoming the eighth musical in history to receive the honor. The mu- the previous musical to win the Pulitzer Prize was Rent in 1996, which was also directed. Yippee! <laughs> yeah, Andrew's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> which was also directed by Michael Greif. And awarding the prize to Kit and Yorkie, the Pulitzer Board called the show a powerful rock musical that grapples with mental illness in a suburban family and expands the scope of the subject of matter for musicals. They did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, tell me a little bit about Next to Normal and your, like, just general thoughts about it up front. Uh, when I was watching it, I was getting kind of a, a falsettos mixed with a better version of Dear Evan Hansen kind of feel to it. You got the family dynamic, the 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 mother who is uh, losing her grip, um, and uh, and then you have the dead kid. Spoilers! I was actually going to save that. Why would you save that? That's like at least to a spoiler <laughs> warning. Show. God, that's like an important twist. Whatever. If it, yeah, there's a dead kid in this. I didn't say which one it was. Go, son. Oh, now you're just going to come right out with Fuck it. Fuck it, it's said. Ghost son. It's said. All right, there's a ghost son in this. There's not really much else to it, right? I mean, there is, but it's there is a lot more to it than that, but that is the broad strokes of the show. Yeah. So what do you think of Next to Normal? Because this is not, like, really anything that we've done before, because it's... Like, a contemporary musical that's done very well. I thought it was okay. Um, to be honest, I know a lot of the praise for the show comes from the subject matter of it, but I think I think the subject matter for me is kind of a turnoff. Uh, so it kind of... I, I, I didn't really fall in love with the show because of it. Now, why was but it I a turnoff for you? I think it was well you. done. I, I, I mean, I'm just not a huge fan of things that are about mental illness <laughs> um you know you you have like stuff that blows up like uh like 13 reasons why and, and dear evan hansen where they they talk about mental illness so people love it but to me it's like i don't like it because it talks about those things and personally i just uh i, I don't i don't really like those subjects they're kind of touchy. But a lot of people deal with mental illness. I mean, I've dealt with my own mental illnesses in the past, and I feel that having these types of shows kind of normalizes it. Yeah, I suppose so. And things like this show that it's normal, treatable, and you can figure out a way to have a life that's fulfilling, despite the issues that come from the mental illness. Does it? I mean, this this show kind of says the opposite, that... Your life is going to get fucking destroyed, and there's almost no recovery. Really? <laughs> I mean, okay, at the start of the show, she has a family. At the end of the show, she doesn't, and everything's gone. But that's her choice. That is her choice. She has the autonomy to make that choice. Agreed. But you could say that it it is a 
a detrimental thing that has happened to her. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I mean, we'll go into that a little later, but I think it's her finally saying, I'm not going to worry about you guys. I'm going to worry about myself for a change. I don't know. I, it's just, I, I don't see it that way. It's more of a... I, mental illness is terrifying for me. I've never really had any, which maybe that's why I'm scared of it. But to me, this whole scenario is like a fucking horror story. It's like this thing you can't control comes in and destroys your life. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> But it doesn't really destroy her life, though. The whole show is her having a mental fucking episode. <laughs> it's, well, I think it's only exacerbated by the way that her husband treats her. How, what is, I don't understand what he does that's bad. He does everything he should do. Alright, do you want to go through the plot and I can explain to you exactly where he goes wrong and where exactly the representation of this disease is effective? Sure, because maybe I just don't understand. That's, that is very, very probable. And I'm not trying to be like, you don't understand, and I'm going to explain it to you, sir. Yeah, come on. Just mansplain this whole fucking story to me, please. Hurry up. All right. Alright, so the show opens on Diana. Um, we see her son, like, coming in late, and she has a conversation with him. And pretty much for the first third of Act 1, it's just her and the son talking alone. They do some stage tricks to make it seem like that she's talking, oh, he's a part of the family, but really he's a figment of her own hallucinations. I'm glad that they revealed that early on, because... It would have been a twist that we've all seen before mm -hmm. if it was just revealed at the end. Oh, he wasn't real. Oh, shit. Sixth Sense. Yes. And he, she has a living real daughter, Natalie, who is a bit of a, a bit of a kind of neurotic type, trying to get all A's, trying to work hard, piano and all that, because she wants to get out of her house, basically. She's working hard so she doesn't have to deal with the crazy people in her house. Yeah. And mm. then she falls in love with some stoner kid. <laughs> yes, Henry. I mean, this whole, the Henry plot, I, I don't know why that's really a thing. Um, they're supposed to be the reflection of Dan and Diana, basically. How so? You have the, the male figure that is designed, basically, to help the female when she falls. Either because of drug abuse or whatever sort of things, or mental illness. And you have that both with Henry and Diana. And that's reflected in the second act when both Diana and Natalie are in the electricity when she has ECT done on her, and the fact that um, in A Promise, where both the men in these women's lives are like, I promise to be there for you, and blah, 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 blah. It's my job to help you. And both of them finally decide learn eventually that they need to keep their space and whatever things they eventually need to help figure out for themselves as well. So it's reflective stories. Whereas Diana is afraid that she'll never see normality. Um, Natalie's afraid that she is crazy and doesn't know it or in her own words or that she has a mental disorder and she just isn't aware of it yet. 
Or that she secretly likes jazz. Yes, because that is a metaphor used in Act 1. That's nice. I mean, for jazz. I am totally pretending you didn't say it that way. It's just that the thing with jazz is, how do you ever know if you got it right? It's just making shit up. Which is also known as the act of creation. Oh, you're one of those pretentious stoner types. Wrong, I'm not pretentious. (laughs) I'm definitely not classical. So rigid and structured. There's no room for improvisation. You have to play the notes on the page. Yeah, and what did Mozart know anyway? He should have just smoked a bowl and jammed on Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Classical music getting the shaft again. Always a negative metaphor for classical music. I mean, classical music is used as structure and perfection in the way that Natalie wants her life to be. And jazz represents improvisation and craziness as what her life currently is. You know, you improvise in classical music, right? People know that, right? I don't play classical music. Like, when you do when you do solo piece of classical music, you do improvise on it. That, that's an actual thing. I just want to put that out there. Like, you, jazz is not the only music you improvise on. Just throwing it out there so people know. Yep, yep. <laughs> we're an educational podcast, the more you know. We're, we're educational, because that, that did kind of peeve me. And I'm tired of seeing classical music being shown as like, oh, it's that boring one where you play what's on the page and that's it. But Diana had a freakout one morning while making everyone sandwiches and just started making sandwiches on the floor and all over. So her husband, Dan, is like, okay, we need to take you to the hospital. And she's just all over the place there as well. Like, not quite. All these pills are either numbing her, making her constipated, and all the side effects are worse than her actual manic feelings. Goodman Diana, second adjustment after three weeks. Delusions less frequent, but depressive state worse. I'm nauseous and I'm constipated. Completely lost my appetite and gained six pounds, which, you know, is just not fair. I'm not really sure what to do with that. What do you mean? What's the message there? Like, what is the message there? Like, don't take your pills because they numb you? The message there is it's not an exact science, and basically we're using humans as guinea pigs. It's a criticism of how psychiatric um, medicines are doled out. Yeah, I mean, that is that is true, but what's the alternative? Um, it definitely does not say that medication is bad. It just says that it's not quite where it should be, and that's an issue. Yeah, but with that sort of thing, the only way to progress is to get is to keep doing this until we get something that works. Yes, but we should be using humans as guinea pigs. But we also need to get these people help. It's crazy. Mental health is such a crazy thing where the only way to figure out what works is to try it on humans. Because unlike animal testing, it that, that just won't work. Yeah, so like what like what I'm saying, like we can't use humans as guinea pigs, but at the same time we have to. So like what's the message? Like, oh, this is bad, but there's no alternative? You see, this is one of my few issues with the show, which is I don't think it quite knows what it wants to say about the pharmacology world, Um, but I enjoy much more what it has to say about the family dynamic of dealing with this disease. Like, Act 2 is a much stronger section of the story than the, like, indictment of pharmaceuticals. Yeah, like, I don't really, like, personally, I don't like the uh, criticisms on medication, and, and I see that all the time in media where it's like, oh, they're just pumping these mental health patients full of meds and it's just bad. 
But it's like, what's the alternative? They just fucking, they live with mental illness. Like, <laughs> that's obviously a worse alternative, so... Uh, I think the family dynamic in this is where it actually is good, though. I agree with you on that. I think that's the strongest part of that. And originally, the show started as a like ten minute opera, literally just about the indictment of pharmaceuticals called um, being electric or feeling electric. Yeah, where it was all about electroshock therapy and all that. And eventually, they discovered that the family dynamic was the more interesting thing, and. I think the only thing that really makes this a musical is the daughter character. Yeah, the... I know Andrew is 100% gonna disagree with me about this, but she is the main character and the hero of the story. I mean, she gets the I Want song. She has the drive. I mean, I think I disagree with you on what makes someone a main character, but I think that, yes, she probably is the protagonist. I don't think she's the main character. (laughs) The main character is the person that gets the most screen time. <laughs> I'm just saying she's the one with an obvious goal. She's the one with the drive and trying her best to get through it. And the one with hurdles where everyone just else just kind of falls through life. And the other alternative main character we have basically is no longer herself for a majority of the second act. Yeah. But I think that she still is the focus. Yeah. I don't, uh, Hmm. It's hard to figure out this show. This show is a very strange anomaly. It both follows the rules of musical theater structure and breaks them very, like, hand in hand. Um, Natalie and her stoner boyfriend, Henry, officially start dating. And I think it's a really cute scene where he basically is like, I will do my best to be the best person I can be for you. It feels genuine, and I I like that scene a lot. I like their relationship a lot through this. It's much healthier than Dan and Diana's, at least. Is this before or after he uh, wants to use uh, her mother's drugs? Um, he doesn't. This is before, but he doesn't want to use the mother's drugs. He's just like other people would have done this. I don't do that because I like weed. What a good person. But Natalie, he walks Natalie home and. Dan pulls him in and be like, oh, this is your boyfriend. Let's have him for dinner. Come on in. I don't accept no. Let's have dinner together. Natalie, and this must be Henry. A pleasure to finally meet you. Come in. Why don't you join us for dinner? Um, Dad, Henry can't really stay. He's got, um... It's gonna be good. Homework. It's gonna be good. Surgery. Sit right down together like a happy family should. Gravy. Eat and talk and laugh and joke. My pride, my brood, and me. I like the dad character. You like Dan? Yeah, I think he's very nice and he's he tries very hard. Well, the thing is, he tries to fit in his idea of what is normal. He wants... He's a lot like Marvin, except not as bad. Marvin from Falsettos. He wants his tight-knit family. He wants the wife making dinner. He wants the daughter and her boyfriend all coming in and we're all going to be normal. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Okay, well, Ma- I mean, Marvin is an asshole, though, who beats his wife. Dan is an asshole who manipulates his wife into doing what into believing some things aren't true and some things are and using like the disabilities of her situation against her to try to reach his normality what what are some examples we'll come to it in act two i mean in act two i remember that he doesn't tell her about the son yes but i can kind of understand that though because he's trying to avoid having her fall back into her mental illness 
which she ends up doing once the sun gets brought up. Yes, but just because someone has a mental illness doesn't mean you should be able be manipulating him the way you do. He wasn't manipulating her. He was trying to help her. See, that's where that fine line comes down. Like, if this thing is, like, part of what you view as crazy, like, is manipulating her to, like, avoid that and, like, hide parts of her life? Having literal hallucinations is crazy, though. <laughs> I mean, you can't deny that. She's literally hallucinating someone and has been for the past, what, 17 years? <laughs> That's a major problem. And he's also, like, resentful of her for having this. Like, he's, like, kind of assisting her the best he can, but resentful for her being like this in the first place. I feel like everyone, like, if you were in that same situation, you probably would be as well. Yes, but... Because when, when you're stuck into a situation where you have to take care of someone, there, there's going to be some feeling of, like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. <laughs> but the fact is, like, he rushed into the relationship early on, demanded that she marry him, um, and basically admits that the only reason why he liked her mania is because he enjoyed the sex. Do I not remember this part? It was in Who's Crazy. Oh, geez. So I just I sometimes miss something plot points that are literally only a lyric in a song <laughs> yeah gotta pay attention andrew so at this dinner I mean, with- it's hard to fucking lyrics go by so quickly it's hard to like <laughs> pick up every little detail that's spat out like in just one line you know like i don't remember that part of the show because they never talk about it again so diana like after like feeling numb from all this medication flushes them down the toilet at this um basically the reassurance of her figment of our imagination son who will consistently promote her doing the worst possible thing for her throughout the entire yeah, show. Yeah, the son is uh the son is definitely the antagonist. <laughs> He's the devil on her shoulder being like you sh- you should flush your meds. You should kill yourself so we can be together. Yeah, he's a he's a bad influence. Yes, and it's very interesting to see that played out. Um but because she flushes her meds um, she brings out a birthday cake for her dead son, who died when he was an infant and now exists as basically a figment of her imagination. And the Natalie, her daughter, just freaks out and is like, fuck this, I'm done, I'm going upstairs. And Henry's like, well, I gotta deal with that. And Dan's like, dude, he's not here anymore, we need to take you to the doctor, and I've been here your whole goddamn life figuring this out, and you don't know what it's like to be me. And she's like, you don't know what it's like to be me either. It's just a really sad moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then it's, like, accompanied by this rock riff, basically. Is Is this a common thing, like, parents hallucinating their dead children? I can only imagine it must be. I can't imagine it's not. Like, it doesn't seem crazy. But basically... The song, the scene turns into a competition between Dan and the figment of the imagination's son about who is the most emotionally, sexually, and altogether more thrilling person to be with. And believe it or not, this figment of Diana's imagination is a sexual figure. There's a reason why, like, one of the early scenes we see him, we see him shirtless and showing off his abs and all that. And the way that he looks at her is in a sexual nature because like all diseases, he is representing everything that she is looking for. Oh boy, this this incestual and 
mental illness. This is a, can we we have put a trigger warning here? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is dark, but in the end of that scene, like she chooses her son over her husband. Everything's so bad. This this show is so depressing, Jess. <laughs> but a few days late, a few days later, Dan takes her to a new doctor, Doctor Madden, and. As she keeps going to these therapy sessions, her son just asserts his presence, singing the song, I'm Alive. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm alive. I'm alive. I am so alive. I'll tell you the truth if you let me try. You're alive. I'm alive. And I'll show you why. I'm alive. So alive. It's a pretty good song. It is, but it's really like... It's a villain song, basically. It's really catchy, um, but... Yeah, it's basically just, like, her hallucinating this kid who's just screaming at her, uh, which is not good. And the daughter describes her feeling of inadequacy to this son that's dead. Like, he's this perfect thing, and I am literally nothing to my mother. Why do we always talk about the heavy ones? <laughs> Literally, last week we talked about I... Love Never Dies, so shut the fuck up. You're right, you're right, but what do I say here, Jess? How do I make this comedic? <laughs> this show, you, you cannot make it comedic. Although, ironically, the version that I watched, there was several times where people were laughing, so I guess, I guess it is funny. <laughs> I mean, this show does have some pretty, pretty good laugh moments in it. It's not a depressing like experience to watch i mean i personally thought it was depressing 
I don't know, maybe maybe seeing it live is different, but watching it, it was like, it's just watching this fucking destruction of this family and this woman just falling apart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the therapist starts doing these hallucination trials on her, which makes her feel drained every time she comes home. She is just destroyed every time she goes to therapy at this point, because... Like, she's going through these hallucinations. On top of that, she's going through therapy that involves, like, induced hallucinations. And finally, Diana decides it's time to let her son go. And she tries to clean out her son's things. And she finds a music box that plays a tune. And suddenly, her son Gabe comes out in a suit and starts dancing with her. And... After the song's over, he invites her to come to a world away f- a world with him. And at the end of the song, we discover what that means. And it means that she tried to kill herself. I like that Jess laughs when he says that. <laughs> Fuck you. She tried to kill herself. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be a pause for dramatic effect, but I'm... <laughs> but, but you chuckled. <laughs> Jess, it's not funny. <laughs> She tries to kill herself, but it's a seduction song. Basically, it's him using his sexiness to convince her, like, hey, would I lie? Yes. <laughs> and it's effective enough where she does try to kill herself, and she is sedated at the hospital, and the doctors are now recommending ECT, which is electroshock treatment, basically. Now, I've heard ECT is very effective, but in this, in this show, it portrays it as almost like a fucking brain wipe. It can be. It can lead to a lot of memory loss. Some are more lasting than others. But I've heard of this actually a good treatment. It can be. Yes, it can be. Although they're comparing it to uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is obviously a negative portrayal of uh, ECT. Yes. This sort of treatment. So I don't know. It seems like it seems like this show wants to have a negative portrayal of both mental illness, which is fair. But also a negative portrayal of the uh, things that help solve that. So it's like everything is just negative. Well, the thing is, the doctor is never portrayed as willfully, like, indignant, mean, or trying to hurt anybody. I I like the doctor. I feel like the doctor is one of the more sympathetic, actively trying to help her situation. I mean, that is true, but they do also have her hallucinate him, like, coming on to her and shit like that, which can be seen as, like, a negative show, too, so. And it does show the ECT has worked when she comes out of it, despite the side effects. Doesn't really, though, because she goes back into it once she remembers who her son was. And I've never had to face the world without her at my side. Now I'm strolling right beside her as the black hole opens wide. Mine is just a slower suicide. But in this moment before the ECT, we have one of the most heartfelt moments with Dan singing a song called I've Been, where he describes, like, I've been with her all this time, like, when we lost our son and everything else, and for some reason this is the worst it's ever been. And I think that's, like, his, like, I just want everything to be normal. But it's also him saying, I don't want to be alone. Like... Having her be well is the only way I cannot be alone. 
Like, it shines a light on Dan's, like, fear of being alone. I feel really bad for Dan in this, and I guess maybe I missed all the fucking shit about him in that one song, but everything you see of him is like, he's just, he's suffering with her, and it it sucks. (laughs) Yes, but he's manipulative, like, when he sings the light in the darkness, convincing her to sign the papers, allowing her to get electroshock treatment, that's a manipulation treatment. That's not, like, emotionally driven, like, really at all. I mean, he's manipulating her into doing something that will help her, though, so I'm not sure I can really count that against him. I mean, I'm not saying he's the worst person. Like, Dan, or fucking Marvin from Falsettos is a much worse person than Dan. But Dan is only out for himself, basically. I don't think he is. I really don't. I think he wants normality, and he sees that as the same as happiness. Okay, but who doesn't want normality? I think most people would like a normal life. Yes, but his definition of normal might be not what she wants to be. That's why the title is Next to Normal. Like, I can't give you normal, but I can give you... I'm pretty sure the title is Next to Normal because isn't that, like, something that people call mental illness sometimes? I mean, for the longest time, the title was Feeling Electric. And then they just like, eh, Next to Normal works. So that's the end of Act 1. I I don't think that he he does anything that bad in this show. I really (laughs) don't. Let's move on to Act 2. You ready? Sure, I'm ready. So, Act 2 starts with Diana's ECT treatment, where she's gone under electricity, and she's like, and it's probably my favorite song in the show, um, Wish I Were Here, where she's just like, whoa, this is some fucked up shit. And at the same time, her daughter Natalie is taking a lot of pills. Like, she stole her mother's pills and started taking them, and like going out clubbing with Henry, and he's like, I don't think this is a good idea, and she's like, fuck you, I'm doing this anyway. It wasn't a good idea. Yeah, it wasn't a good idea. Because <laughs> she comes home, like, passed out, Henry had to drag her home. But in the time that she was on the drugs and her mom was in ECT, they have an interaction like, oh, this is weird. And it's just a cool, fun song. Act 2 opener doesn't mean much. Yeah, and then and then Diana forgets everything. She wakes up from her ECT treatments, and she doesn't remember the last 18 years. The last thing she remembers is having a beer with her soon-to-be, with, like, her boyfriend, and then it's all gone, and now she's married to that guy, and they've got a daughter together. It's all erased. Is that how it works? I mean, it can be how it works. Like, there is memory loss involved in ECT, because it technically is just brain damage. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how accurate it is. I'm not one to say. It sucks. Again, it's just another depressing thing that happens in this depressing show, Jess. But the doctor convinces Dan that it's normal and that to use mementos, photos, and all that. And Dan gathers together photos, but selectively choosing to remove some photos from telling her about her past. Manipulating her to think that, oh, Natalie's our only daughter and that's all there ever was. Yeah, I mean, God forbid he doesn't tell her about the cause of her mental illness. It's a part of her life, though. Yeah, it's the thing that ruined her life. I I wouldn't tell her about it either. Even the doctor suggests that she should know about it. Maybe in time? It had been months and she was not getting better and she was just feeling worse and worse about herself and Dan still hid it from her. I... I would have hit it too. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad person. She has been suffering with this for 16 years, or, or more, 17 years, uh, committed, almost committed suicide over it, 
like maybe it's something she shouldn't know about <laughs> i might like a, a moment i like is when gabe their son is like standing over him and she he's basically methodically planning like basically a crazy bond villain like they've gotten rid of me but they you'll remember me soon and i'll be back and i'll destroy your life and a song called aftershocks they've managed to get rid of me return me to the grave ECT, electric chair we shock who we can't save They've cleared you of my memory and many more as well You may have wanted some of them, but who can ever tell Your brainwaves Oh my goodness. There's no escape, Jess. This is a, this is a horror fucking... This, this should have been a horror. <laughs> but Diana sees this Henry, is... who's coming to visit Natalie, because he's like, I want you to come to this dance with me. Like, I love you, babe. And she's like, I don't want to go. My mom's crazy. She's, and he's like, come on. But Diana sees Henry, and she's like, you remind me of someone. So she goes down to the basement and finds... Oh, her son's mementos. Yeah. And that's where we discover that their son, Gabe, died as an infant, like, of an undiagnosed sickness. And forever, that has tormented both Dan and Diana ever since. Finding After she finds the music box that caused her to commit suicide, or try to commit suicide earlier in the show. Dan finds her, and she's like, why did you hide this from me? And he's like, because it made you fucking crazy. And he smashes that music box to bits. And she's like, why are you even with me if you're going to treat me like garbage and you're going to hide things from me and if my disease is such a burden to you? And he's like, I made a promise when I was young and like, I'm going to keep it. And then suddenly I, uh... from the mist comes Gabe singing another reprise of I'm Alive. Oh, my God. He's back with a vengeance. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I don't know how to feel about anything. Like, because to me, it seems like this mental illness is by far the worst thing in her life. But as she said before, she enjoys the mountains and the vast emotions it gives her. I, I, I don't think that's a good thing, but I mean, she enjoys it so much that she almost killed herself. Uh, you know, once someone, if something causes someone to try to kill themselves, it's not a good thing. Now I'm thinking about it, this show really portrays medicine in a really bad light. It's like EC, ECT is, is super bad and it doesn't even work. Like, even if you have the ECT, you'll just forget everything. And then once you remember, it comes right back. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> like, okay, so the medicine didn't even work. Uh, and the medicine is good to be abused by your children. And it makes you unable to feel emotions. <laughs> I, I don't know. Everything is portrayed negatively in this show. It's like there's no there's no light. <laughs> it's, and then at the end, it's like it doesn't even end positively. It's just like, uh. So as soon as all that happens, Diana wants to go see Doctor Madden, and Natalie wants to get away from Henry. So they both just drive down there, and she tells Doctor Madden, "I I don't want to deal with any of this shit for for a good while." And she finally has the connection to her daughter that both of them have wanted since the beginning. And she's like, I'm sorry I've basically destroyed your life for all these years. And I'm sorry that things haven't been the way that you wanted to be. I can't give you a life that's normal, but maybe something next to normal would be okay. And Natalie finally agrees to go to the dance with Henry. Um, good for her. <laughs> At least someone has something good happen to them. 
And he's like, I'm not going to leave you. I love you the way that you are, and I don't want to mess this up. I will be the best person I can for you. Which really is a good message for men out there. Just be the best person you can for your people. You're not going to be perfect. No one ever will be. But be the best version of yourself you can for them. Uh, try, try your best. Fuck you, Andrew. All right. So, Diana comes home to Dan, who's just sitting alone in the dark. And she's like, I'm leaving you. I need to figure myself out before I can even, like, deal with a husband or daughter and all that. I need to figure out who I am. So, I'm going to take a chance on leaving it's that or stay or die. And she, despite the fact she loves her husband, she needs to figure out how she's going to live her life. So she goes to live with her parents, and Dan is left alone in the darkness. And Andrew, what happens next? He's also crazy, I guess. Because he, he sees the sun, too. And he's like, I, I thought if she went away, you would go away. And it's not true. You're still here. So I guess now he also needs to get treatment. So... I wonder if mental illness is contagious. I think traumatic experience causes mental illness. So Natalie comes in to find her father weeping alone in the dark, and she's like, hey, it's just you and me, and we're going to figure this out because we're strong and we're awesome. And she's going to help her dad the same way that he helped her mom and give them both the normal life they both deserved. Um, yeah. And then it goes to Diana, and, and she's not better. She's working on it. She goes to Dr. Madden, trying to, like, figure out some information on how Diana's doing, because, you know, he can't just live his own life. And Dr. Madden's like, yeah, she's doing treatments, but maybe you should see someone. Yeah, he probably should. This whole show just makes me sad. Why does it make you sad? <laughs> what do you mean, why does it make me sad? It ends on a pretty upbeat note. By whose measure? I don't know. They all find their, like, happiness. He finds happiness in his daughter and her new boyfriend and all that. She finds, or Diana finds happiness in figuring out her own, herself. Literally no one is happy at the end of this. I'm not sure what you're talking about. The only person who maybe is happy is Natalie. What about Gabe? Gabe's pretty happy. <laughs> Gabe doesn't exist. He's dead. He's still staring over the family in the end. Oh, which is not a good thing. <laughs> What do you what do you think of this show's portrayal of mental illness? I think it's accurate but has probably a lot of issues especially in the 11 years it's been since it originally came out. I I I can't there's not it's not that bad. Um and honestly as someone who's never suffered from anything in terms of mental illness, I I obviously don't have the most um experience to speak from, so I don't really want to judge too much, but all I can say is that this whole show made me very sad. <laughs> and, I, and I also, I will say that I, I did really dislike the portrayal of medicine as uh, like a bad influence um, or as like something that is not good. Um, that I think that is kind of bad. I mean, a lot of antidepressants aren't effective and quite often they cause people to go into even higher mania or depressiveness that even leads to suicide so i think it's made a lot of strides in 11 years from when it was originally performed in 2008 but still there's still a long way to go as far as like medication is yes but if you take this show at face value 
it, it's almost you, you could come away with the uh, thought that you should just not seek treatment because if you seek treatment, bad things will happen. Well, that's fair. Well, Andrew, do you want to go into a mid-show announcement? Uh, sure. Hi, guys. Sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. This week, we're recommending The Broken Places by Ace Atkins, narrated by Brian Darcy James, who was in the original off-Broadway cast of Next to Normal and later returned to the Broadway cast. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audiobook. Thank you. Let's get back to the show, fellas. I am the one who knows you. I am the one who cares. I am the one who's always been there. I am the one who's helped you. And if you think that I just don't give a damn... Then you just don't know who I am. Andrew, do you want to talk about the songs? Oh boy, howdy, would I much rather talk about the songs than the story. <laughs> Alright, so the first one I want to talk about, really, is... Um, I Am The One Between Dan, Gabe, and Diana, where basically... Dan is like, I've been here this whole time. Believe me, I love you. And Gabe is like, come on, I'm your son. I'm also sexy. Yeah, man. And it rides that it rides that line very well between like cringy and like effective. I did like the song very much. I think it was a very effective and intense moment. Um where it's like they're kind of fighting for her, basically. Yeah. It's it's the right use of rock in this musical, which I think is not always used right in this show. As far as plot-wise, it works very well, where it's like uh, Dan is, is the one who wants to help her, Gabe doesn't want to help her, but she's tempted more by Gabe, more so. Because it's the mania. It is a representation of the mania. And it... it <sighs> I feel like the show, especially in moments like this, it's it wants to show that like mental illness is it's very hard to help people that have it unless they really want to help themselves or or something like that. I'm not I'm not really sure what to say on that. I think it's most supposed to show how seductive that that mental illness can be. Yeah. Where like even people who want to help you just can't reach past it. Uh, so it's just very difficult. Um, I think I'm Alive does that as well, where basically the doctors are, are trying to help her and the mental illness is just screaming over it, like this this like catchy song, like, oh, isn't it way better to just not get help? Exactly. It's like, here's a catchy rock song that will drown out any dissenting voices no matter what. And it's also just, like, he's pole dancing throughout it, so it's also, like, the sexual tantalization of it. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a uh, as far as how they portray mental illness, I think they do it very well through the music and through the staging. Um, I think that is is a very how they do it is very interesting. As far as their messages in it, that's probably where I'm not hugely in favor. But as far as how they do it, it's very well done. I agree, and I think the use of music to represent it is very effective as well. Yeah. I think where, especially when we're talking about the plot, I think where I'm really uh, not agreeing with how they represent it is more in the messaging as far as um, it's just, it's very hopeless. This musical, it, it seems like it's like there is no help. Like you can't, doctors won't be able to help you. Uh, even advanced medical treatments will not help you. It's like, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> I get it, but it's sad. Do you get what I'm saying? Am I, I get what you're saying. Am I am I wrong here? Let me know if I'm wrong and why. Please. I don't think <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, but I think that it's well. It's I mean maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe but when I'm when I'm interpreting something like this, I'm thinking, well, I mean, what is the moral here? What are they trying to tell me? And the only thing I can get out of it is that if you have a mental illness like this, you're fucked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's it's scary and it's sad and that might maybe that is the message they were going for because i mean in real life uh it's it's not too much different i don't think i think they're saying it's complicated and there's no effective official answer yeah yeah that that's probably a better way of putting it mm. <laughs> <laughs> so upset One of the main songs that breaks my heart is How Could I Ever Forget, which is Dan and Diana basically describing the day that their son died. Yeah, and that's a very emotional and impactful one. It's one of the times where it's a little pulled back, this along with I've Been, which I feel I've Been is a little bit more rocky and I feel it's a little less effective. This one is very special. It's the joy of Sondheim, like, describes specificity. Like, I pulled my coat over my old nightgown. They said babies cry, and then he laid there so still. Like, those descriptive, those specific descriptions are what makes this song so heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to talk about a child dying, especially, like, a baby without it being sad. But... (laughs) And seeing parents doing the right things about it. Like, they took it to the doctors and they say, oh, babies cry. Yeah. Yet another example of them dissing on medical practitioners. I mean, but the thing is, Dr. Madden is always portrayed this show pretty fucking positively. hates medicine. Is I it? don't think it hates medicine, but it is very critical of medicine. Agreed. <laughs> I think Fuck we need more positive portrayals of... Yeah, but I mean, you get anti-vaxxers by having shows like this where there's very negative portrayals of medicine. 
where it's like, well, they couldn't solve that issue with the baby, and oh, those pills didn't do anything, and <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> what I'm saying is they should make an inverse of this, where medicine saves the day. <laughs> I guess that's just not very dramatic, though. Let's talk about the final song I really want to talk about. And that's Light, which is basically like using light as a metaphor for like, let's just live our lives in the best way we possibly can. Yeah, this is the closer, right? Where Natalie is like... What do you think of it? I think it's a strange way to end the show. I'm not sure how effective it is. I don't remember it having too much of an impact on me, to be honest. It feels like a feel-good, leave them smiling, but it feels a little disingenuous, too. Well, the thing is that there's really not much to smile about at the end here. Um, so it's like, you can't really put a feel-good... Maybe it would have been a, a better show if, if they ended it with more of a bittersweet song. That's like, well, I guess it's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. You know, that kind of song. <laughs> It kind of is that song in the end. Like, y- we'll, we'll make it, I guess. Like, I still have yeah, problems, but you're yeah. my favorite problem. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's how Natalie describes Henry. I mean, Henry's pretty intolerable, so... All I can... Well, not all I can remember, but the main thing I think about when I think of Henry is his opening scene, where he basically just comes into her practice room and talks shit about classical music, and it makes me feel sad. <laughs> That's all you can think about when you think about Henry. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's that stoner guy that doesn't like classical music because it requires skill. Then he flirts with a smart girl. Yeah, and then makes her not like classical music, too. Uh, you know, in media, there's a lot of shows where there's a smart woman who's with a dumb guy. Yeah, Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> Although that just, in like sitcoms and shit like that, and commercials and... I don't know. Well, I, I think, usually I see the, them as, like, fat guy with pretty girl. But this one, it's, like, nerdy, quiet, I don't want to deal with fucking anyone girl with, like, the goofy stoner guy. Yeah, you mean Velma with Scooby-Doo? <laughs> fuck with With Shaggy-Doo? Or <laughs> with Scooby, fuck. <laughs> no, I mean, Shaggy and Scooby are, are a package deal. We both know this. Also, I'm not going to do the Shaggy meme. Uh, that is a dead meme. Do not ask me. Did you just call Shaggy Shaggy-Doo? Do you know what his real last name is, you fucker? Yeah, do. No, his last name is Rogers. His real name is Norville Rogers. Shaggy is his nickname, you fucking moron. Um, Rogers is his middle name. Do is his last name. Get no. it right, you fucking scum. His name is Shaggy Norville Rogers. No, no. Shaggy Norville Rogers Do is his real name. You're fucking wrong! Not wrong, that's correct. Ah, uh, fine. Can we please spread this fact around Twitter, please? <laughs> oh, God. Shaggy Do, that is his real last name. I don't need a life that's normal, that's way too far away. But something next to normal would be okay. Yeah, something next to normal, that's the thing I'd like to try. Close enough to normal to get by. We'll 
get by. So, Andrew, what is your overall thoughts of Next to Normal? I think the music is very good. I like a lot of the staging. Um, obviously, the performances in the version I watched was uh, were all, um, you know, very, very good. <laughs> um, personally, I had a... Um, I, I personally don't love the subject matter, um, but that's that is more of a me thing, and I know there's a lot of people out there that really like uh, this subject. So if you if you do enjoy it, you probably like it more than I did. Um, I yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of went hard on it, but I think it was just kind of to even out with Jess, who was uh, not going to go hard on it. Um, I love this musical. <laughs> Yeah, so I was kind of just trying to give a, a little bit of a second opinion. But in all reality, I think it was pretty good. Uh, I'd probably rate it around where I rate falsettos, which is kind of like a... Like, I'm not in love with it, but it's definitely not bad um, sort of thing. It's just more of a not-my-taste. Fun fact, whenever we do Fun Home, this is going to be Andrew's opinion on it. it. Most likely, if it's about this exact same subject matter and performed in the same way, very likely. Well, I love Next to Normal. Next to Normal is one of like one of those seminal pieces in my early musical theater world. Um, I really have very little things to complain about, aside from the fact that a lot of its reaction to the medical field is very dated very much trapped in 2008 but and another thing i have an issue with in the specific broadway recordings is this show belongs in a much smaller setting like i've seen this several times in community theaters and all that and that is the way to experience next to normal that is the best way to experience it, it is a great show for like low budget community and college theater and you can get great performances out of young actors and i think if you're gonna go see it um see it that way it's a great experience next to normal highly recommended andrew what is your cheese rating um i'm gonna give it um like a italian like a four cheese mix because uh i'm very i have a very mixed opinion about it (laughs) <laughs> that's really? that's it that's all i've got i am going to give it lady jane which is from british columbia and it's a type of brie and it is earthy and mushroom flavored and i like mushrooms so i think adding mushroom debris is the best way to interpret it so i give it lady jane's because there's a lot of women in this show and by a lot i mean two with the brie as the base you have that that one thing that no one likes as the base, which is uh, hating on medicine. Yes, medicine is good. Get medicated if you have depression. I love you. I love all of you. Vaccinate your kids. Bring your kids to doctors. Yes, take your kids to doctors. Make sure they get vaccinated. Take care of everyone. Don't don't listen to this show. Medicine is trying to help you. Yes, don't listen to Jenny McCarthy either. Um, definitely don't listen to Jenny McCarthy. She is much worse than this show. Yes, Jenny McCarthy is a bad person. Jenny McCarthy is actually a bad person, and I am ups- literally upset that she's still famous. Also, Donald Trump is our president, and he has also endorsed anti-vax in the past. He is a terrible person as well. Yes, and honestly, I would say 
uh, anti-vax is uh, uh, probably of the top three thing, three worst things he's ever done, and he's done a lot of bad things. Yeah, he put children in cages. Yeah, well, I mean, putting children in cages, getting children killed by the measles, uh, they're, they're kind of pretty close. <laughs> so, hey, folks, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching our show or listening to our show. We don't really have anything to watch. Um, <laughs> uh, ch- check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Leave some reviews for us, please. Um, we are on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. We're on Instagram at Musicals with Cheese. Our YouTube page is Musical Theater Lives. And you can hit us up with an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Um, we do also have a Patreon. What is that at? Um, that's at Musicals uh, with Cheese. So, yeah. If you'd like to give us your money, feel free. Don't You don't have to. <laughs> Our title card was created by Jolene Casco. Her Instagram is uh, Jolene Casco. And she is very, uh, very talented. And we will see you guys on the next show, hopefully. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Musicals with Cheese. I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese! Yeah! And forgive me if I offended you. I I know not what I say. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.